Welcome back to another episode of The Paralegal Voice, part of the Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Jill Francisco, an advanced certified paralegal and past president of NALA. So today, I am super excited that we're going to focus on the paralegal career, which um, I think is a great time in these days to do, um, and also talk about some things to do outside the typical, quote, paralegal box. We're going to discuss skills that a paralegal student, like maybe fresh out of school, should make sure that they have. But also, this is going to serve as a refresher or like kind of a reminder for those of us who have been out of school for a while. We're not going to mention any years or (laughs) any amount of time. And then finally, my guest is going to share some really cool stuff about some new software and technology in the legal field that we hope will be useful to you to use or at least, you know, be aware of in your everyday paralegal world so that you may, you know, either enhance your paralegal career with it or to share with others. So like I said, you know, I'm always looking for ways to be more efficient in my paralegal career and my tasks. I'm sure you are, too. So our guest makes it her mission, I feel like, to send prepared paralegals out to the workforce. And I mean, she stays involved and engaged in happening. So she's always up to date and can offer the paralegals that she's involved with, you know, the best possible um, things that they can to be prepared to go into the paralegal world. So for today's discussion, I'd like to welcome Kathy L. Davis, ACP. She's assistant professor in the department chair of the criminal justice and legal studies program at Faulkner University. Kathy, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? Doing well, you know. You know how it is. I'm sure you're swamped and busy. You know how us paralegals are. <laughs> yeah. So it's been it's been a crazy last two weeks with a lot of traveling, but it's it's been good. Well, I really appreciate you taking your time because I know the listeners are going to have really appreciate you also because I know you have some really cool and useful information that I can't wait to have you share with our listeners. So, Kathy, do you want to just tell a little bit about your background so our listeners can kind of get a little impression of where you're coming from? Yeah. So I started as a paralegal oh, probably about now 40 years ago. Wow. Woo! Don't say it out loud. <laughs> I know. That's bad to think about. But I worked, um, first I started actually doing some bankruptcies, and then I got a job in a firm where we did both insurance, defense, and um, civil litigation, which was mm-hmm, kind of an mm-hmm. odd thing. One attorney did um, plaintiff's cases, and the other one did insurance defense. And so then <laughs> um, I went to a firm that was strictly insurance defense, Worked there for several years, and then I went into a firm that did mostly telecom law. And I will just admit, for about the first six months, I questioned every day, what have I done? (laughs) But I stayed there 12 years, so it must have been okay. And then (laughs) You got used to it. (laughs) I know. And I really began to really enjoy it. Then I I got a call from Faulkner University, and they asked me, did I want to come out there full-time? I had been doing some part-time work for them, and so I jumped at it. And um, so I've been there now. um, November will be my 10th year at Faulkner. Wow. Congratulations. Time flies. And I started just as the director for the paralegal program. We were and still are in the ABA-approved paralegal program. And so I took over the reins there and did that for several years. And then the chair for the department was leaving. And so I assumed his role 
as chair of the Criminal Justice and Legal Studies Department. So that's kind of my school um, gig. (laughs) And outside of that, I've been on the approval commission for the American Bar and um, just got home a little while ago from a um, site (laughs) visit. I serve on the certifying board for NALA, and I serve on the um, Alabama Peer Legal Association's board right now as their NALA liaison. Well, as uh, nothing, nothing new, you know, paralegals, we just keep, I always say I need a no button, which somebody got me one, but I'm still not using it. Yeah, I know. I don't know how that happens. And so um, I I told them that when I got home from this trip, I I wasn't going anywhere until the end of the month. So. Right. And you need a little bit of a break. Well, and I love, I, I, congratulations, like I said, on your 10 years. That's awesome. Teaching, you know, as you know, it means a lot to me. And I just recently got, uh, last fall, I got the chance to fulfill one of my last, uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't say last because you know how we are. We always come up with something else, but professional goals to teach because I feel like if you love, the paralegal profession, that's one of the things that is really cool and neat for a paralegal to do because they're, you know, fostering and strengthening and, you know, helping the paralegal profession thrive well into the future, even, you know, when we're done being paralegals. And so since you mentioned that, I mean, one of the cool things I think we talked about and we want to that you might want to share with your listen with our listeners is where you were talking about like how can someone kind of get into that? Like a kind of a little roadmap. I think you did some research and organization on that that might be helpful to others. I did. The first thing really is that you have to have a degree higher than the um, level that you are teaching. So if you want to go into a junior college and just do the associate's degree, you just need a bachelor's degree in legal studies. Right, which is what I'm doing. Yes. And so if, as you want to go higher, you just get those higher degrees. And so I have two masters. I have a master's in justice administration, and I also have a master's in paralegal studies. So that allows me to teach at the bachelor level, which our program has an associate level and about associate degree and a bachelor's degree. So that's the first thing to secure is your education and to make sure that you have that when you apply for a position. The other thing I would say um, after you do that is see if you can work your way into some guest speaker spots um, Mm. at a local college to see if this is really what you want to do. It sounds fun and great until you you are (laughs) up at three o'clock grading papers and getting grades in. But just see if if your personality is something that's going to fit into Mm -hmm, teaching. mm -hmm. You have to be sure, and, you know, with today's younger students, sometimes the engagement is different than what we have with our coworkers. And so you have to be sure that you can find that way to engage that student and pull them into your world so that you can teach them. Teaching paralegal studies is so much more than just a textbook. You know, the textbook is great, and I want my students to read that textbook, so I read it first and highlight and add notes for anything that I want them to pick up on. Um, They're not fooling me. I know they're not reading the textbook all the time. (laughs) So if they will just at least look at my notes and my highlights, I feel like, you know, we're ready then for a good discussion once we get into class. Sometimes you have to draw these students out a little bit. Sometimes they're quiet. And so you have to figure out, how am I going to get them to answer questions? And so we do things 
fun things like the beach ball, whoever lands the beach ball um, has to answer the question, or poker chips. Everybody mm-hmm. gets the same number of poker chips, and at the end of the day, you have to have no poker chips. That kind of gives the ones who want to talk all the time, hey, look, you've used your poker chips. And so yeah, the ones right. who haven't talked, they have to kind of engage. But I think really probably one of the biggest rewards that I get as a paralegal instructor right now is my classes are small, so I get to actually know my students. And I right. get to understand the pressures that they're under. I think when I went to college, it was very sheltered. And I think all I really did was go to college. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't have yeah. this outside. Oh, I have to have a job and I have to, you know, do this. And I have kids that I have to deal with. Your typical student today is facing all of that. And yeah. so I have to be sure that I understand where they are when they come into that classroom. And if they're stressed out over work or whatever's happening in their family life, I've got to try to hone them back in and get them back in the in the mode to study. The other thing that is so rewarding is to see them go out on the internship and come back and, oh, Miss Davis, I loved it and they've offered me a job. I have a couple students right now who just email me all the time. Hey, Miss Davis, just want to let you know, you know, this is my one year anniversary. Things are great. Thank you. So there, that is, you know, the pay's not great uh, for the most part, but that's your reward. It's making sure yeah. that the love that you feel for the paralegal profession, you've shared that with somebody and they now feel it and are working that paralegal job. So that's kind of where I like to be with my students. I, gr- I agree with you. When I've, since I've started teaching, I, it's funny you say that because I started out, I didn't like just start out go like one day you just kind of think, oh, I want to teach. I started being asked by the local paralegal program to be a guest speaker, to participate on panels, to just kind of, you know, represent the, because I'm a defense paralegal, as you know. And so like to represent, like if they were kind of having like a panel to show different professions and places paralegals could work and different, you know, things they do and jobs and stuff. And that's how I started. And then, like you said, you kind of over the years, you're like, well, you know, that would be good to do. And then obviously when I think when you're involved in professional associations, I think that keeps you kind of tuned in to, like you were saying, the difference in um, generations and kind of outside of your own little personal box, you know, like going from your home to just your office and your coworkers and things like that when you're, you know, an association. But I totally agree. It's a beyond rewarding experience, even if just one person tells you the things that you were saying, like they're so happy with, you know, they love it. They love, you know, they were successful in their classes and now they're successful in their career and they've started out and they're happy or even just when they're in school that they're excited and they love it and they're glad they chose to take the classes and, you know, all that makes it makes it worth it. Because like you said, like for me, I'm teaching the intro to paralegalism and the ethics class. So I'm doing two classes one evening a week. I'm not getting rich over it. That's not really why I'm doing it. It's more for the love, like you said, that you feel and you want to pass that on. And I'm hoping that, you know, some of our listeners, if they're at that point in their career where they think that, you know, they could take on a little something extra or a little something different. And I think also you can use it I mean, I don't know if you agree with this, but, you know, at some point, if you're kind of in a rut or bored with your career, 
Yes, definitely. Something different to do. And, you know, you don't have to, you know, jump all into the teaching thing. Just be that person who will go out and volunteer with the schools because we're looking all the time for people who are willing to come out and um, be a guest speaker or participate in a mock trial that we're doing or, you know, just talk to the students about, hey, this is this is what you learn in the books. That's what I tell my students all the time. This is what you learn in the books, but this isn't the way we really do it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I need to teach you what's in the book, but I also need to tell you and you need to understand that this is really how we apply this. And that's, the, I mean, I think that's a benefit of having people like you and I as teachers. Because there's so much, I mean, the book doesn't really go over, hey, the attorney's going to expect you to get that trial notebook ready without even saying, hey, do you have the trial notebook ready? Right, right. <laughs> you just need to know that, you know, when you go to work, it's not it's not a task-driven, really. The attorney's not going to say, I want you to do A, B, C, and D. When you get really successful and good at it, you're just doing A, B, C, or D without being told. Right. We got to take a quick little break, and we're going to pause for a quick minute to take a commercial break, and we'll be right back to continue our awesome conversation. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Filing court documents, serving legal papers, collecting electronic signatures, all critical parts of the litigation process, yet ones that are time-consuming and error-prone. But what if you could do more straight from your case or document management software? InfoTrack automates data entry, document selection, tracking, and information syncing across all these core tasks and more by integrating with your core systems like Clio, Smokeball, Leap, MyCase, and others. Spend more time on substantive legal work and less time on busy work. Learn how simple it can be at infotrack.com slash simple. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, and my guest today is Kathy Davis. And we were just discussing kind of a paralegal roadmap of how to get involved if you want to become a teacher and also just kind of discussing and relishing in the rewards that as a paralegal that you can get when you do this kind of teaching. And we were laughing, right, Kathy? It's not for the money, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes the best things in life are not for the money. <laughs> But let's move along because I know I, I want this to be kind of a, I know that this is good information too, where like we were talking about, I know you care about your students so much and, and you're engaged and you talked about all the things that you do to stay involved and up on the paralegal profession and, and the skills needed. So what are your top things right now that paralegal students should definitely, you know, make sure they know about, possess when they get out. And then also, obviously, this is going to serve as a refresher. If you're already out in the workforce, this is something you got to check out if you don't know. Yeah. So with students today, some, and this seems kind of strange and they should know it, but we go over, we have a whole class that we go over professionalism and how to be organized, how to be on time with your 
task or just to be on time for work, how important that is. (laughs) Sounds simple. (laughs) Very simple things. How to be a good listener. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if Mm -hmm. your attorney's trying to tell you something, um, I tell my students all the time, you're going to be in a situation where you do have to pay attention and pay attention to detail. And so if I can get them past those really kind of soft skills, then some of the more important things is be a good writer. Mm-hmm. And everybody thinks, oh, I am the best writer in the world. Um, we were <laughs> we were kind of laughing about that over the weekend at the um, certifying board meeting. You know, hey, you can't tell me I'm a bad writer. I'm the best writer ever. Um, yeah, maybe not <laughs> so much if that's what you think about yourself. So, you know, take those English courses. Take um, There's a program out there that you can get. It's Core Grammar for Lawyers. And mm. anybody can go and get that and take it. It's online. And so just do a refresher on writing. And the courts now have changed. And we used to write one sentence that was a whole paragraph long. And the courts moved away from all that. They want yep, it very plain definitely. English. They want us to call yep. the parties by their names. You know, take a little refresher course in writing. Um, be a good researcher. I tell my students mm-hmm. all the time, there is nothing you can do to Westlaw or Lexus to tear it up. So <laughs> get in there and play with it. Um, yeah. And research now is so much more than just Westlaw or Lexus. It's Facebook. Mm-hmm. It's TikTok. It's Snapchat. It's just Googling and trying yeah. to find information out. And so there's so, so many more ways that we can do investigation than when I was really working that it's just amazing all the information they have at their fingertips. Well, and not only to know about the stuff that you need to research, you need to be up on that, but I think the huge thing now, and I've, I'm sure you've probably taken a couple of CLEs because I know you take the NALA, you know, courses and things like I do, but, you know, it, the biggest thing too is knowing how to preserve it. Like you can't just, you know, sometimes a screenshot is not going to cut it, you know, or you have to have a certain way to download or you have to know, is there a third party that needs to actually download and have it a certain way? Even simple things like cell phones. Like we had to get a new software to do the cell phones. Yeah, there's a new software out there that we're looking at getting. It's called Disco. And Disco is kind of a relativity, probably, um, for a smaller audience. But we're mm-hmm, going to get that mm-hmm. so students have skills when they go out and they've got 30,000 emails. Well, how do I just get the main thread instead of having to read that same email 2,500 times? And so just yeah. knowing how to get emails and in doing the organization and the summarizing of those emails, you know, what is the best way? And I tell students all the time, you know, I'm going to teach you my way, but don't be upset when you go to work and they go, well, this is how we're going to do it. And you say, well, Miss Davis didn't, she doesn't do it that way. Um, Because (laughs) there's a lot of ways to get at what you're trying to do. You just need to understand the concept of this is what I should be doing This is basically what I need to do to preserve that evidence so I can get it into court. And this is how I'm going to store it once I get it. Yeah. And I think you you bring up a good point. I think that's where your schooling comes in. Like people, I'm sure people have asked you, like, you know, is it really necessary? 
to go and get an education to be a paralegal because we all know people that are successful in their position and maybe they don't have the formal schooling or, and, and education as, as you and I do or and, you know, other people that we know. But I think that's where sometimes the education comes in because like discovery, let's just take discovery. So discovery is can be done a ton of different ways. And you're going to teach them away and I'm going to talk about it, what I do and my personal experience at my firm. But you know what? The rules are the rules and those don't change. And the purpose of why you're doing discovery is the purpose of why you're doing discovery. And that's not going to change. And I think that's where your education yeah, and gives you that background, don't you think? I do. And I think sometimes we, we do forget that sometimes the rules change. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, they do change. We got to keep updated on the rules. That's another thing that we need to tell everybody to do. <laughs> Just because we did something some way last year, you know, and right. especially the the courts all have their own local rules. And, you know, mm-hmm, we can teach mm-hmm. them the, the federal rules of procedure all day long. But if you miss what the local court wants you to do, it's just going to get, get pe- kicked back to you. And so, you know, I try to tell students, be sure that you're doing what the court that you're working in wants you to do. And Mm -hmm, be sure that mm -hmm. you're aware of what those local rules are. You know, and some of the other things that I think sometimes paralegals get that are in school versus what you get out of school is you're just so much more well-rounded. You've taken bankruptcy. You've taken real estate. You've taken family law. You've taken civil procedure, you've taken evidence and e-discovery and torts. And so when you go to work for a firm, and, and maybe it's just a civil litigation firm, when something comes in, you can go, wait a minute, I learned that in family law. Hang on just a minute. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, you're just more prepared overall for your career. And I think, too, it opens doors for you to find that type of law that really is where your heart is at. They were like, well, what if I go get this job and I hate it? I said, stay there a year at least and see if you really do hate it. It may be that you end up loving that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, don't just leave a job after six months because you think it's not the job for you. Right. And so, you know, I think Having a little bit of all the different kind of laws that's out there helps the student pick kind of where they think they're going to be happiest. I think I think that's a good point. So, Kathy, let's take another quick break and then we'll be right back to wrap up. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing and even client facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Gee, 
I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome back to The Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, and my guest today, Kathy Davis, I want to reiterate what you were saying, that you take all the different types of classes on different types of law, and then, like you said, they go out, maybe do an internship. I think that's why an internship is another great benefit when you're in the formal you know, program as a student. That's one way that you can get some, quote, experience under your belt, you know, test out the waters in a certain type of law, but then you get out and you... You start working in family law, and then you're not too sure of it, but, like, wait it out just a little bit. I mean, don't stay there forever. I mean, we're not telling them to stay there forever, but, you know, wait it out. But then also you have all that other experience where you've taken all those classes on all that different type of law that you can easily, you know, go, okay, so family law is not for me. Let me go over here and try litigation because I've had some litigation classes, you know, with the background when torts and things like that that you were talking about. Yeah, so we also allow our students to do two internships. Oh, nice. They can do one as an elective and then one is required. So it gives them a little bit more more chances to see, hey, is this really where I think I want to be or is this where I think I want to be? And a lot of our students, although we require 120 hours, and that doesn't seem like a lot, but you have to think they're doing school and they're doing sports and they're holding down a job. So sometimes I do allow my students to complete their hours over the summer and then take the class in the fall. So it's not such an overload to them. But a lot of my students will complete those 120 hours and call them and say, hey, Ms. Davis, I still have four weeks left in the semester. And they said, I can keep working here. Is that okay?" I'm like, yes, because the more experience you can get, um, even if it's an unpaid internship, that goes on your resume. And when you Mm -hmm, get ready to mm -hmm. go get a job and they're like, well, you don't have any experience. Yes, you do. You have that internship. And we also work with students to help them parlay. Well, I worked in a daycare, but that doesn't apply to legal studies. Yes, it does. Because you were organized. You, you you know, you maybe kept up with a whole team of students and kept them engaged in something. So that's good for your resume. Communication. I mean, communicating. Yeah. You're communicating (laughs) with those parents about those bad children. And um, (laughs) so, you know, we try to get them to look at various things they can put on their resume because they think, I have no experience whatsoever. Well, if you play team sports, you have experience. Oh, yeah. And people don't, people, like you said, they just not are, think, they're not thinking along that lines because they haven't been out in that world. Um, one thing I just was telling my students the other day, because especially the new ones, I think they're nervous about that. And like, oh, how am I ever going to, you know, get that stuff on my resume? How am I going to build up a good resume? And I talk about volunteering, like going down to legal aid and volunteering. You know, and I even mean, if you just volunteer with a, a golf tournament, I mean, you're networking. And so uh, I try to tell the students all the time, join these associations. Right now, NALA has a $5 sign-up for students. Appy adopted that. So we're doing a $5 sign-up for students. So go ahead and join these associations just for the networking experiences, if nothing else. If you don't want to do the CLEs or anything like that, learn people who can help you when you graduate. Yep. 
That's true. And like, and I tell my students too, don't like, and this goes for anybody, you know, like even if you're a seasoned paralegal and you're doing something or you, like you said, you go to an event or you do some type of teaching or you do some type of presentation, it's like, take those notes, keep, keep those connections, keep those in a, however you want to keep them electronically, paper, you know, however you want to keep them, because you never know when you're going to need to go back to that person and say, hey, would you write me a recommendation? Would you do something? Because nowadays, I mean, I feel like working and employment is a whole different ball game nowadays. And you could be thinking you're good and then all of a sudden you're not. Or, you know, you want to switch or you have an opportunity and you need some references or, you know, like I I did a resume for myself and I don't think I had done one for like 25 years because I've had the same job. And, you know, I thought to myself, I should have been a little bit more polished and had that at least updated if I needed it. So I think that's a little advice for our seasoned, you know, workers. I mean, students are always looking ahead of that. Maybe that's in the front of their mind. But I think that all paralegals should have that kind of keep that stuff for easy reference. Well, one of the things that I tell my students that would be good for seasoned paralegals, too, is to keep that elevator pitch in the back mm. of your head. When I first told our mm-hmm. students they were going to do an elevator pitch, they just looked at me and just laughed. And so <laughs> then I called in um, someone who is from a career placement agency. And he oh, was yeah. talking good. about, well, you need this, you need your elevator pitch. And so when he left, they were all like, sorry, Ms. Davis. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> see, I told y'all. But, you know, that little 30 seconds that you have to make somebody remember you. What are yep. you going to say to them and to make yourself stand out above everybody else? The more they worked with that, the better they got at it. And the more that the, they will call back and say, hey, I used my elevator pitch the other day. Just wanted you to know. And I'm like, yeah. good, because you need to brag on yourself because other people may not do it. And you never know. Like, it, it doesn't have to be if you're trying to get a job or you're trying to do whatever. It's it's when you're just, you know, networking and engaging and meeting new people and doing new things. It's a And it seems like you're, you know, prepared and you're put together and you're organized. And it just, it really gives you, you know, a sense of pride and, and confidence. I mean, it all kind of just starts snowballing once you get, you know, that good foundation, I think, in place. Yeah. And for for paralegal students and for seasoned paralegals, do every certification that you can do. If it's a Word certification in Excel, um, Disco has four certifications that you can do. Um, Get your CP, get your ACP. Do anything that will give you a certification that you can add to your resume. Speaking of that certification, go back to that software, because I know you and I were kind of talking a little bit more about it. And I think you were saying that 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 new software that was out and you were going to get for your students, but also, like I said, would be good for paralegals just to know about out in their career. That has certifications within it, correct? Yes, it has four. Oh, wow. Okay. Their own different subject matters. You know, and don't sometimes, you know... um, if you're in school and you have Cengage, they have certifications that you can do. Um, Westlaw and Lexus have certifications that you can do. And so spend a little time and get those because, you know, when you go to work for a firm and they and you put on there, you know how to do Clio and you've worked in Clio and they're like, well, we don't use Clio, we use my case. But it's so similar that you could 
parlay, well, okay, so I don't know my case, but here's what I know how to do in Clio. So I still have those skills. I still have the billing skills. I still have the organizational skills and how to open a file and how to close a file. And so don't discount anything, you know, if a your paralegal association is doing something to give you a certification, go do it. Well, you know, you and I both, I think, are on our for our soapbox about forever educator. I mean, just, just, you know, we're educators ourselves, but then just it's forever education. It doesn't end. I think that's maybe one of the biggest takeaways that our listeners can get from this show, whether you're a student, whether you're a former student, whether you're a current student, whether you're, you know, out for a while or not. I mean, like, you know, I, I like we were just talking about the Lexus things. Not too long ago, you know, I went on there for a Lexus refresher because so much stuff changes the way you search, the way they have new things with public records. They have a new thing now where I'm teaching other paralegals in our firm because they didn't know about it. You can access like all, you know, how you used to have to use PACER to get the federal court, you know, pleadings. Well, now you can get that through Lexus if that's what your subscription um, entails. And you can go on there and get them at no cost. I mean, that's a phenomenal tip to know that you can go on there, look at the federal dockets for any state and get the, get the pleadings instead of paying a per page fee through PACER. I mean, PACER probably doesn't like that, but <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a good, it's a good thing. And I just did that recently because it's forever, it's changing constantly. You know, in a lot of states, I know in Alabama, there are a couple very large law firms that will put out all the Supreme Court decisions on Friday afternoon on their website. So all you have to do is go to their website. And so, you know, if you're looking or think, you know, something's about to come out about your client, the, one of the quickest ways to know is, hey, this is going to come out and I can go pull the opinion. So being tech savvy and keeping up with your skills, your Microsoft, your Excel, your PowerPoint skills, um, do that because that is going to make you so much more valuable in your law firm. You know, I think one of the worst things that paralegals can do is say, I have my job, this is my job, and I'm not going to do anything outside of this box. And I am so not that person. (laughs) You know, I was always going to the attorney going, hey, I want to go to trial or hey, I want to go to depositions or can I go to this meeting with you? And he was like, nobody's ever wanted to do this. You'd be surprised. Pe- people do want to do it. And then, and, and like you said, sometimes people won't ask because they think you won't let you. But all you got to do sometimes is show that initiative. Yeah. And so then, you know, he would come in, hey, I can't go to the PSC meeting today. Can you go up there and handle it for me? And I'm like, yes, Perfect. I can go do that. There's your in. And so, you know, it's, it's a job that you can make it what you want to make it. If you want to go in at eight o'clock and sit at your desk and Summarize depositions or just send subpoenas, and I'm not saying that's not important, but if that is all you want to do, you can find a job that will allow you to do that. But if you want to be in the middle of the case and meeting with clients and going to trial and doing what I consider the fun stuff. Yeah, right. (laughs) I mean, attorneys are usually more than happy to give over some stuff. And, you know, I tell my students it may not come right at first. They're going to have to learn to trust you a little bit. But if you're willing to put yourself out there and say, hey, I will learn this, they are more than happy for you to take over that task. They're professional delegators, right? (laughs) So please take Um, this off my plate. Yeah, please, please do it. So you just have to have the faith in yourself to think this is not rocket science and I can do this. So I'm going to go ask. 
you know, and you may need a little help right at first, but then you get it. And and then you just know, hey, when I go in, this is what I'm going to be doing. So I like that part of it. I guess the self-satisfaction of doing something you haven't done and doing it well. When we were, when the PSC in Alabama first went to e-filing, they used my files and I, I was, I called them one day and I was like, I'm a little nervous about y'all using my stuff. And they were <laughs> like, well, we know what you file will be correct. And so oh. that's why we're putting your stuff in there. And I was like, oh, well, that makes, that makes me feel better about it. That's nice. <laughs> but when your firm hears that, then they're like, hey, yeah. well, she works for me. And so, yeah, right. you know, that's, that's part of the reward that you get from this job too, or, you know, handling that big case for that family that's distraught because, you know, they've lost a loved one or something. And, you know, one of the things that was said at this meeting when we were asking some paralegals what they thought one of the biggest things about this job was, the girl said, you have to have sympathy. And she said, you know, you're not meeting people on their best day. That's true. And so you have to learn how to be sympathetic, not brush them off because they just feel like they have, they need somebody to hear them. And I think I I try to tell my students, I'm like, that's what a paralegal is. A paralegal has so many like, you know, adapt. I mean, how many times have we said we adapt? I'm sure that our paralegals that are, that are listening today, you know, they already probably possess a lot of those skills. They're probably, that's why they already are, already are successful paralegals. Hopefully we've thrown around different terms or like maybe shed some light on some different areas or some different skill sets that, you know, you may have, have but you just kind of haven't, you know, got out for a while out of the closet for a while. And, you know, that, and so maybe, you know, they can brush up on it because, you know, coming from you that, you know, you're out there right now, current, you know, and we know it's important. It just makes them more valuable for the employer or more valuable in their position or a better teacher or, you know, whatever they're trying to do. It just increases you, elevates you. Yes. I just think the more you can do, our minds, if we don't use them, we lose them. So (laughs) true. (laughs) you just constantly need to be learning something. True. We don't want to resort to just doing crossword puzzles all the time. All right. Well, Kathy, I think that we about uh, ran out of time, unfortunately, and I hope that our listeners got some, you know, neat ideas about some new things that are out there, some new software that's out there, some skills that, you know, the students should have, or if you have forgotten to, you know, that our seasoned paralegals can brush up on. But if anybody has any questions or whatever for Kathy, you know, Kathy, what's the best way that they could get in touch with you to reach out to you? They can just email me at cdavis at Faulkner, and that's F-A-U-L-K-N-E-R dot E-D-U. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Kathy. And like I said, I think that probably um, when, you know, we'll post that out with this episode and everybody can get in touch with you. And and if they have any questions, I know that you'll be ready and willing and always so um, helpful to help everybody out. So thank you so much again for taking your time and joining me today. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you. And also thank you so much for our listeners who tuned in with me today. And if you have any questions or comments for me, please contact me at jfrancisco at logical.com. And I hope you will join me for our next episode. I'm Jill Francisco for The Paralegal Voice, signing off. 
The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer 